Buenos días. We are in a place where many Spanish name, names we see around as we drive through California, back, uh, up and down, we see all these Spanish names that remind us of some of the Spanish people that visited this region or like 200 years ago and over 200 years ago. But especially we are glad to be here with brothers and sisters in Christ like you. And uh, thank you to Pastor Eric for the invitation, also the elders for the wonderful hospitality we have enjoyed this weekend. And we are happy to be here and to share with you what God is doing in Spain. As Pastor Eric was saying, tonight we'll have a fuller version with pictures and slides and everything. And probably we'll even have more time to have questions if you would like so. But I would like to share with you what God is doing in Spain before we go to the world in a short version. I grew up in Spain, and I remember not seeing much fruit in our church and not seeing any interest whatsoever in the gospel. And then the Lord called me to the ministry, and I was just a teenager, and the elders thought I was too young to go into ministry or go to seminary yet. So I went to the university, and after that, my desire even grew stronger, and then I didn't find a seminary in Spain. So I started to look for another option. I didn't really find a seminary which will be recommended to me even in Europe at that time. So the only option was coming all the way to the United States, but I didn't have the language, I didn't have the money. I was like a long journey for myself. But the Lord provided many amazing ways, both for the language and the resources and all needed. So first I came to a seminary up in Portland in Multnomah, and then down at TMS, Master's Seminary, where Eric and Oliver graduated too. And in 2004, I went back to Spain already 15 years ago. And along with my wife and just our newborn, Abigail, we went back. And we didn't see much fruit in the first few years. But then later on, the Lord allowed us to start a seminary in 2010 and 2014 officially and then also start serving at our local church. And the government granted us this land free of charge to build an evangelical church, which is unheard of. We received the land in 2007. But we didn't have the resources. We started praying. We gave as much as we could and trusting the Lord. He has given us this land. He wants to do something with it. We have to trust in him. So the Lord provided after many years the funds needed to build this evangelical church, which is unique in Spain. In Spain, you don't have many evangelical churches, and those that are there are mainly storefronts. And now the Lord has given us this property. The government gave us this property. The whole city council voted in favor. Even the atheistic party voted in favor, which is, you know, there's no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> Only God is into that. And also, the Lord provided for building this church building. And now, Lord willing, the first weekend of October, we'll do the dedication. And along with the building, and especially and primary, is the ministry that the Lord is allowing us to do. And now many people are visiting us, our church. We have like five to ten people visiting every weekend, which is very rare in Spain. I remember growing up, I will invite my friends that they were very good friends to me, and they wouldn't even come because they were suspicious and they thought we were a cult and they had many biases. But now the Lord is giving us an open door for the gospel. People are coming our way. We have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. 
And even the, some of the authorities have visited us. Just recently, the mayor came and visited our church, and we gave him a Bible, and we asked him if we could pray for him, as the Bible tells us to do so. And not only the mayor, but also a congressman and a senator from our region came in Resurrection Sunday, and they stayed for the whole service, and they listened to the gospel. And we're praying that the Lord will save these people as well as many other visitors who are coming our way. And this is special anywhere, right? Because God is working. Even one soul is very special because it's the miracle of regeneration. God doing the work and saving us, making us his children. But especially in Spain, when you know about our history of many centuries of really spiritual darkness, and not only spiritual darkness, but opposition to the gospel. Spain is well known for the Spanish Inquisition, that they persecuted Christians and they opposed to the Reformation. We just celebrated the 500th anniversary a few years ago. Spain was really the country trying to crush the Reformation. The Reformation never truly made it to Spain. So now, 500 years later, we rejoice that the Lord is doing a work in Spain, and we are seeing, starting to see fruit, and we are praying that the Lord will bring many more to salvation. Along with that is not only the ministry of the church, but also the seminary, Berea Seminary too. We share a common name in the Bible with you. And uh, in this seminary, now we are training men that come from all over Spain. Most uh, pastors are bivocational in Spain. So they come for weekends. They cannot leave their job and come to be trained for years in a seminary. So we develop a program that is, is fits our context. So they come for five weekends a year, and they are trained those weekends intensively. And then they go back home, and for eight weeks they do homework. And over the Internet we do all the grading and all the follow-up. And that takes our first program three years. And then when they graduate from that program, then there is a second program for those who want to continue for another three years. And now by God's grace, we have 49 graduates who are scattered all around Spain. I'll show you the pictures tonight. You come back. And then also we have 50 current students. And just to give you an idea of how big this is, just put into perspective, an average church in Spain is around 30, 40 people. That's the average. There are smaller churches, and there are bigger churches. But you have a church around 100 people. That's a mega church in Spain. So having 50 graduates and 50 students, I don't even know where all these people are coming from because there are not that many churches and that many people. The Lord is bringing these students away from all around Spain, not only the peninsula, but also the Canary Islands and Mallorca, and even North Africa. There are two Spanish cities in North Africa. We have one graduate from North Africa who is a missionary to the Muslim world in North Africa. But also now the Lord is bringing to us uh, students from Portugal. They are coming from Lisbon, and they know enough Spanish, and Portuguese is close enough so we can understand each other. And we have a few students, and even the Lord is opening up doors for extensions, maybe in the Canary Islands or Portugal. They're asking us to go their way and establish also an extension there so we can reach more men. And just the, the, it's very encouraging, especially to me as I look back. And 20 years ago, I came to the States because I didn't have a place to be trained in Spain. And after I went back, my burden was just to preach the gospel, preach the word, 
Shepherd Gas Church in Spain, which is a privilege. But also, if the Lord will allow to start a seminary, so other men will have the chance to be trained in their own language and in their own country and in an affordable way, and more and more could be trained so we could just shepherd God's church and also plant churches, which, which is a great need in Spain, so the gospel will really spread around the country. So thank you for being part of that and supporting the seminary, and I hope this encourages you, and tonight I'll give you more details about it, and we can rejoice together in what God is doing in Spain. But now I will invite you to open your Bibles in Psalm 67. Psalm 67. By the way, as you look for that psalm, we have a prayer card of our family. If you are interested in receiving one after the service, we can give you one so you can pray for us as well as for the ministry. Psalm 67. We're going to be looking at this psalm this morning. And we're going to be answering this question from the text. Why does God bless us? Why does God bless us? And the question will be, how has God blessed you lately? We have many blessings, and many times we talk about blessings, and how blessed I am, and even that's part of our language. But many times we don't even think about the actual blessing, or the actual blessings we are receiving from God. One of the most recent blessings that we have received, and the most obvious as a church in Leon, is this amazing property that the city hall gave to us free of charge. It's over an acre, around 60,000 feet, and it's worth in the real estate around $5 million. And the city hall granted us this land for free to build an evangelical church. This is a huge blessing, a huge material blessing. But on top of that, the Lord provided so we could build the church building, and now it's almost finished. And I was asking myself, why is God blessing us this way? It is because we deserve it. It is because He loves us more than other brothers and sisters in our country or even around the world. It is because... We are better than others? We know those are not the answers, but sometimes we may be tempted to think that way. But that's not the reason why God is blessing us. He's blessing you. How is God blessing you? Because He's blessing His people. He's blessing His children, both spiritually and materially, because every good deed comes from God, as James 1 affirms. Psalm 67 is going to respond to this question. Why is God blessing us? Let's read it together. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations On the earth, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its products. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Psalm 67 focuses 
on God's blessings and the reasons he blesses his people. In this case, Israel. But also, we can extend it to his people now in Christ, his church. He is calling us to really praise him because we are blessed by him. Now, he's calling not to search for the blessing out of self-centeredness, pride, self-interest, but for the God who gives the blessing because he is our greatest blessing. The psalm is mainly about God, the God of the blessing. And secondly, about the blessings of God. Why am I saying this? Because as we read this psalm, God's name is mentioned directly just in seven verses, six times. And then 11 indirect allusions to him by pronouns. So 17 times God is alluded Just in seven verses. And sometimes we miss the point. This psalm is about God. The God of the blessings. God is the center. Not the blessings we receive from him. And that should be the general rule for us too as his children. Many times we focus only on the blessings we receive or we don't receive. And even when we receive them, we rejoice in the blessings. Instead of rejoicing in the God who is giving us the blessings and praising Him. Why God, the God of the blessings that we praise and we rejoice in, is blessing us. Psalm 67 gives us three of the main reasons why God blesses His people. Three of the main reasons why God blesses His people. The first one, God blesses us so that others may know him and be saved. God blesses us so others may know him and be saved. And we see this in verses 1 and 2. We can read it together again. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. The psalmist begins this psalm by appealing to God's goodness in order that he may be blessing them. He's saying, God be gracious. What does this mean? It means show favor, lean to our side, show mercy in our favor. In other words, the psalmist is asking God to be on their side, the side of his people, that he will till the scale Toward them, Not because they deserve it, nor because they are better than others, but so that his mercy will benefit them. He's saying, be gracious to us. We don't deserve it. But we are asking you that out of your grace, out of your mercy, you will till the scale toward us. That you will show favor toward us. Us, that you will give us what we don't deserve. And part of this blessing, and probably the main one, is the second part of verse 1. Cause his face to shine upon us. This is a literary figure and a formula that is mentioned in the Moses prayer for Aaron and his sons. 
And God himself tells him to pray this way. If we go together to Numbers chapter 6, we see in verses 22 to 27 that God is the one who is telling Moses to pray this way. And the psalmist most likely is quoting this prayer just in one sentence. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The expression, the Lord make his face shine on you, is a reference to shining, and especially the shining of the sun. It's a metaphoric sense referring to shine, splendor, the greatness of God. He's referring to his face. His face shine on us. His divine glory, his majesty. And we want to see the glory of God. All his splendor, all his greatness, all his majesty. And this is the biggest blessing any human being can receive. That his creator, the God of the universe, the God of heavens and earth, will reveal to us, we don't even receive that, that he will be made known to us, that he will be the one that could take this out of our eyes and really open our eyes to his glory and also to our sinfulness. And really, in, even in, in spite of that, He's showing us grace and manly through Jesus Christ. Because only through Jesus Christ we can have access to God the Father and see His glory and be forgiven and be made His children and really have an eternal hope and the greatest blessing that it is, being part of God's family and knowing God. And when we have this, what else do we need? Nothing else. Because this is the real deal. Knowing God. And we should pray this way more often. God, make your face shine upon us. Just reveal yourself more and more to me as I read your word. As your spirit teaches me. That I will be more amazed at you. And especially through your son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who revealed God to ourselves. This is, should be our prayer. This is the greatest blessing. And there is no doubt about it. There is no self-centered. But it's centered on God and His glory. And still ask that He will display His glory and bless us more and more in this way. This is one of the reasons we come to church. We come to church to listen to the Word of God and to know Him more, and to be more amazed with Him. So we rejoice in Him, we worship Him, not only this morning, but every day of our lives, and also we serve Him, and we are amazed at Him, so we praise Him more and more. That's a great blessing. Even being able to gather together in freedom is a great blessing. In Spain, we didn't have religious freedom until 1978. Just a little bit over 40 years ago, 41 years ago. And we have members in our church that couldn't meet 
freely, and they should hide to really meet so they will be caught. And we have some members in our church still alive in the late 80s that they were put in jail because they were Christians, and they even got a fine because they were talking about, uh, to somebody on the streets about Christ. We have an amazing opportunity to gather together with one reason, because we want to praise the Lord and because we want to know Him more and serve Him with other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a huge blessing. And we can only do it here, but we can do it at our homes. And we now know God. And His face has shined upon us. And He's shining more and more. Verse 2 tells us, as we continue with Psalm 67... The reason, the first reason, he's asking to be blessed. And especially be blessed by knowing God. That your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all nations, ESV says. Or as we read in the NASB. That your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Really this is following Hebrew poetry. It's a parallelism. And what he's doing is completing an idea. That's a parallelism. It looks like it's saying the same, but it's really completing the same idea. And the verb that is in both sides of the verse is maybe known. We only see in the first part, but we could provide in the second part. That your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation may be known among all nations. And the idea of knowing is obtaining or possessing true information about someone or something. In this case, about God himself. God bless us. God, we want to know you more. We want to see your glory. So that others may also know you. And you will use us as a channel so others may know your glory as well. Obtaining the true information about you. Historically speaking, Spain is considered a very religious country. Now it's getting more and more secular. Now it's just the percentage of people who consider themselves religious are dropping dramatically. And the religious people mainly are the Catholic Church. Many people think in Spain, as I talk to them, that they know God. And they know God because they know part of the religious language or because they were raised in the context of the Catholic Church or because they have heard sign about God. And that's not only the case for the Roman Catholic Church. Could be a religious country in another sense, but not really knowing God. Maybe people who go to church and even a Bible-believing church that preach the gospel, but they are just religious and they think they know God because they were born in a Christian country and in a Christian family, and they even went to church and they are familiar with God. That's not knowing God. Knowing God is knowing Him truly, the true information about Him. What should we know about Him? Your way may be known and your salvation may be known. Your way is a reference to God's purpose for our lives. It's about His commands for His people. Your salvation may be known. It's a main theme in the Old Testament and the New Testament. A salvation that was revealed progressively. Here in this text, 
probably will mean a temporal deliverance, most likely. But as we see along all the Old and New Testament, really at the end, this salvation leads to eternal deliverance, not only a temporal deliverance. It leads to forgiveness and eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. And this is the prayer. Bless us so your way, your word, your commandments, your guidance, and your salvation may be known for all people all around the earth, among all nations. That all the earth know who God really is and who Jesus Christ really is, not just being familiar with a religion. God is a rescuer, the protector, the deliverer, the savior. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, God made man, to pay for the punishment for our sins that we deserve because we are unrighteous. And he lived a righteous life that we are unable to live. And Jesus took our place on the cross and he gave us his righteousness. What a glorious thing. He died on the cross to appease the wrath of God towards sinners like you and me. And to save us from the coming wrath. Those who trust in Christ through faith as our Lord and Savior. That's his salvation. Do you truly know this message? Not only know, but have you truly repented and come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because this is the greatest blessing. And this is a call, not only we see in this psalm, but we see around the scripture. And it's a call also to proclaim it to others. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, we see Jesus, the one to whom all authority has been given, verse 18 says, in heavens and on earth. And Jesus gives his disciples before departing to the heavens three commandments. Many people think that the commandment is go. That's not really the commandment. It's as you go. The commandment is make disciples of all nations. Followers of Christ, then baptizing them as a public recognition of their new life, and they are now followers of Christ, and thoroughly teaching them to keep all that Christ has commanded. That way is how we are fulfilling this great commission given by Jesus Christ, but also a main theme all throughout Scripture. If God blesses His people, and when we ask for a blessing from God, this should be a right motivation so that others may truly know him, know his glory, his splendor, and be saved through Christ. And this is the question. Are we desiring God's blessing? We all are desiring God's blessing, right? But are we desiring God's blessing for this purpose? Are we praying this way as the psalmist is praying? God bless me. So that I can use as a blessing and as testimony to others as well. And use everything, my life, what you've done to me, what I know about you, what you are giving me, to use it to spread your gospel around this area, around this state, around this country, around all nations. And all nations doesn't mean necessarily only other nations in other places. 
Because now these days, the nations are coming to us. That's, I know that's happening in the States. But that's happening also in Spain. We have many immigrants. And these days, we have the nations among us. We should be doing missions also in our place with all the nations who are around us, but also with those who are from the same nation as us. As the Lord is blessing us, He's blessing us so others may truly know Him and be safe. That's the first reason. But we find a second reason in this psalm, in verses 3 to 5. The second reason why God blesses us is so that others may praise Him and rejoice. Others may praise Him and rejoice. Verse 3 begins by saying, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And if you look at verse 5, it's exactly the same as verse 3. And the psalmist begins and finishes this section within the psalm with the same thought. Not only the same thought, the same exact words. And within these words, the dominant ones is the verb that is repeated up to four times in verses 3 and 5 together. This verb is praise you. Really means give thanks. And this verb expresses true worship. What does this mean? It means exalting, making a public confession, praising someone, focusing especially on the person to whom is being given thanks. That's true worship. On whom is the worship focused here? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Not only the verb is emphasizing the person who is receiving the exaltation, but also the verse is reemphasizing God. God is the center of all true worship. Because God is the giver of all blessings. The one who is to receive all praise. And especially because of who he is. As you grow in knowing him. He is Elohim. The name of God used here. That means the God who created the universe. The God who exists eternally from age to age. The all powerful God. The God high above. The all sovereign God. The God with innumerable attributes. This is the God we are giving thanks. We are praising. Focusing on Him. Not on the blessings we are receiving from Him. But the psalmist focuses primarily on true attributes of God that we find in verse 4. Look at me, with me at verse 4. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. He focuses on true attributes. The first one is that God is righteous. He, you will judge the people with uprightness. He's the only one who can resolve an issue between two parties and do it in a right way. He's the only one who has really the authority to make a final decision and punish the party that deserves punishment. And the verse 4 is saying, he will do it with uprightness. It means with balance. This word commonly was used primarily to describe flat grounds without bumps. 
And in California, even as, as you drive by the coast, we, you don't see many flat ground, right? Many hills and mountains, and it's beautiful. But I remember visiting just last March Oklahoma. And I was surprised there because you look all around and you didn't see any hills, any mountains. Beautiful place too, and great brothers there. But it was totally flat. So if you are driving, you're going to keep driving and no surprises. You know what is coming because you see ahead and the road is straight. And you can drive for miles and miles and miles and it's going to be always the same. This is flat ground. That's the idea. God will judge the people without rightness. No surprises. He's going to be consistent. This is like hanging a frame on a wall. Have you ever hanged a frame on a wall? And then to yourself, it looks straight. And to the other one, sometimes your wife, it seems to be hanging to the wrong side, right? Then you're saying, oh, I did a great job. You feel good about yourself. Then somebody comes to you and says, no, no, it's a little bit to the right or to the left. And these things can even start a discussion, right? And even a heated discussion sometimes. But you know what you can do? Just bring a level. Put it on top of that frame. And the level is going to say who is right. Christ is really our level. We are crooked. We may think, oh, I'm, I'm righteous. I'm doing the right things. But only God, Christ, God made man, is righteous. And in him, we can only be straight and be right with God. Because he took our penalty for our sins. And he gave us his righteousness. But we always think we are right. And most people think, well, I know that, but I am a good person because he's using his own standard. Well, you got to use God's standard. And God's standard is going to say that you are guilty except if you are in Christ, who is the only perfect person who lives on this earth. So you got to come to Christ. This psalm is telling us, look, we should give thanks to God because he's the only one righteous. And he's going to judge the peoples with uprightness, the right way. But he's telling us a second attribute. God is not only just, but he's also our guide, our guidance. Verse 4, and guide the nations on the earth. Guide means to lead a person in the right way. And God leads the nations in the right way. He's like a mountain guide who opens up and points to the path in which the people behind him must follow. And you don't know the way, you may think, well, this is easy. I'm going to go ahead and try to find my own path. And then most likely you're going to get lost. And depends where you're at, you may get in trouble. But you follow the mountain guide that he knows the, the, the path, then you are in the right track. God is doing that for us. Is what he's saying. He's guiding the peoples, the nations. He has given us his guide. And we have all we need. To know the right way. The way that pleases God. The way that will be a blessing to us. But many times we think we know better. And we take our own path. And make our own decisions. God is the only one. That we can trust. To guide and lead us. In the path of life. 
and also in the path of eternal life. Several biblical passages tell us what this divine guide consists of practically. Psalm 23, very, very well-known psalm, uses the same verb as Psalm 67, where it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me or guides me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 31, verse 3. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you guide me and lead me. Psalm 43, 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. This is the great God we praise. And the psalmist is only highlighting two of God's attributes. There are many other attributes. And as we think and reflect and pause and know more the attributes on God, more thanks we're going to give to him. And more and more we are going to praise him. And this is the final call. With all this into consideration, then we see the first part of verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. When the nations can be glad and sing for joy, when they know God. When they truly know the attributes on God. Then the nations can be glad. Be glad means a pleasure of feeling that causes happiness and joy. And only in God can find true joy and delight. Everything else is a substitute. It's a cheap imitation. Jonathan Edwards, very well-known preacher and theologian, the many, for many the greatest American theologian that God used for the great awakening in the 18th century, says that this will be our affections and pleasures that we found in God for his glory. That will be the true joy. Even Jonathan Piper later has developed this idea, and he has defined this thought as Christian hedonism. Finding our joy, finding our pleasure only in God. Be glad. But not only be glad, it says also, let the nations sing for joy. This means exultation. Literally, resounding sound. Be loud. And in Spain, we understand this very well. Because Spanish people are usually loud anywhere you go, especially in restaurants. You go into a restaurant, you cannot hear anything. And even people talk over the music. We're in a table and visitors may come and think we are, you know, fighting to each other when we have a great time just talking to each other loud, interrupting each other. That's not that rude in Spain. So you go into a place and that's happening. That's because they're having a great time. In this case, he's talking about becoming loud to God. When you find your true happiness and delight in God, everyone else is going to know. Can't tell. You are happy. And this display of joy that is found in God is displayed, according to this psalm, in resounding sound, in the forms of songs of joy, focus, and directed to the giver and cause of that joy, God. This is biblical exultation. First, first Chronicles 16, verses 31 to 34 says, Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar, 
and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Psalm 5, verses 11 and 12 says, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. We should be rejoicing. We are so blessed already. So blessed by being in Christ. So blessed to be part of God's people. So blessed to know God. That we truly know God. And we grow in knowing God and his attributes and his guidance and his word, then what he's going to produce is joy and singing to his name. And then we will come to church, and then it wouldn't look like a funeral, right? It will look like a celebration. And everyone will sing with joy. Doesn't mean you got to scream. But then you will be joyful, and everyone will tell, oh, there is something with these people. You know, like just coming to church another Sunday, and then looking at, you know, the worship team, and then just thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I didn't sleep enough last night. And we're going to sing the same song. No, as we reflect in the words of the song that are teaching us theology, then we are really singing to God with joy, and then we want others to do the same. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. In Spain, when you go to the Roman Catholic Church, one way it shows they don't really know God, the God of the Bible, is because of their worship. Because it looks literally like a funeral. Well, one of the highlights for me of coming to the States is just visiting churches and seeing how they sing with joy to the Lord. And one of the highlights every year, I have the opportunity to come to the Shepherds Conference, as some of my brothers are there too. And then you get together with around 4,000 men, not only from the state, but all around the world. I think this year was like over 60 nations represented. And then you get there in the sanctuary, 4,000 men singing to God. Can you imagine that? It's horrible singing. <laughs> but then we are all together and so joyful that you hear everyone around just singing so loud and so happy that they are there praising the Lord. And really pouring their heart out. And then with 4,000 people, even if it's horrible singing, that sounds like celestial singing. We enjoy so much. I enjoy so much. We are really glad to be there praising our Lord together. But we don't need 4,000 people to do that. Because if we will need many people to do that, that will be really out of our feelings instead of out of our true joy in knowing God. We can be by ourselves. And be joyfully praising the Lord in our car, in our home, in our church, anywhere we can be praising joyfully our Lord. God is blessing us. And God is blessing us for three main reasons according to Psalm 67. The first one is so that others may truly know him and be safe. The second one is so others may praise him and rejoice. And the third one, verses 6 and 7, so that others may fear him and enjoy his blessings. So others may fear him 
and enjoy his blessings. Verse 6 begins by saying, The earth has yielded its products. In this case, the earth refers to the planet, the planet without its inhabitants, the land in contrast to the bodies of water, the natural material, material which the planet is made, appropriate to plant and cultivate food. And this earth, it says, has yielded its products. In other words, it has provided, produced a natural and agricultural product that has resulted, resulted in gain. This is common here, right? As we drove around, we see this is a very rich land. Especially now we see very many vineyards, but it's a land and the temperature that is good for producing. The earth is rich. The root of this verb, verb yield, means richly. Not only has given some, but has been abundant and with great value. In other words, the fruit of the harvest has been excellent. And it is evident that this is referring to a material blessing. In the first five verses of the psalm, it's mainly referring to spiritual blessings. And God is our great spiritual blessing. That he will cause his face to shine upon us. That we will know his attributes. That we will have the opportunity to praise him because we know him. So we want these spiritual blessings to everyone else. His salvation. Knowing Christ as the true and only Savior. But now in verses 6 and 7, he's now changing the blessing and he's referring to a material blessing. God is blessing his people materially too. In this psalm, because the harvest has been excellent, for us, many other ways we receive material blessings. And verses 6 and 7 conclude in the following way. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. He's repeating and stressing that God is blessing us. And he's saying it in a verbal tense that explains that God has done it from the past up to the present. This being our experience. This being our characteristic that God has been blessing us. And we are praying and hoping that he will continue doing the same in the future. And these blessings has been also material blessings. Has God blessed you materially? I'm not asking how much. Because there are different ways God is blessing his people in his providence and in his sovereign will. Because we don't deserve anything. Sometimes we think, well, I work hard, you know, and I made this fortune. That may be true, humanly speaking. But it's really God who is giving you that opportunity. He could take it just with the snack of a finger. He's the one who is blessing us. Even if we have very little from our standards, we are so blessed because we don't deserve anything. That's so much. And we don't deserve any of that. So we all have been blessed materially. And especially in our, in our context, like a West country, like the United States, also Europe. We have so many blessings. I had the opportunity to travel to some countries, especially in Central America. And I was surprised of seeing so many things I wasn't aware of. 
I remember visiting Central America, Honduras, for many years. I was teaching a seminary there for six, seven years. And the roads were terrible. Just for like 60 miles, it took like over two hours trip. And that was the main road. That was the best road. Not only that, but they didn't have really houses, even windows in their houses. Even some of them were just roofs that we will have just for, you know, like in, in, your, in your, your backyard for where you put all your, your tools and stuff. And even worse than that, and they didn't have much food or fancy food. It was mainly beans and rice every day. After two weeks there, I was kind of like just repeating myself with beans and rice, put in a different way. And still, these brothers were so happy, so joyful. And when they invited me to their homes, they would give me all they had. We are so spoiled. Because these brothers have also been blessed materially by the Lord. Because all we receive is from the Lord. And we don't need much. We don't deserve anything. But anything that we have, we receive it from the Lord. So that, verse 7. All the ends of the earth may fear him. Do we have this perspective? That God is giving us a spiritual and material blessings because he knows others to know him, and he will use our spiritual and material blessings to provide so Christ will be known among the nations. In this context, fear means respect, reverence, showing honor, recognizing the person who is in authority and control of everything. The only way to know God this way is really repenting of your sins and coming to Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just new creatures in Christ can know God this way. The Lord has blessed us tremendously. He has blessed us because of His mercy. The Lord has blessed us spiritually, materially. The Lord has blessed us abundantly as a church in Leon. It's just amazing how the Lord gave us this piece of land and he used even a human government that they don't believe in him to grant us this land. He has blessed us with this beautiful building, much bigger than our congregation. And we are asking ourselves, why God has blessed us this way? Of course, we don't deserve it. Of course, we are no better than others. We don't deserve anything. But the Lord has blessed us so that Others may know him and praise him and also reverence him as we are doing. And we are praying that the Lord will use all these blessings as a portrait of his grace and mercy. And the Lord will give us an opportunity to tell everyone around us about Christ, about God, the God of the blessings. And he will use that place. To bring our city, and only our city, but our region, and even our country and beyond our boundaries, to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that many may be saved in Him, worship Him, rejoice in Him, fear Him, and also enjoy His blessings. And this should be your prayer too. The Lord has blessed you in many ways. Sometimes they go unnoticed. Pray, Lord, 
Thank you for blessing me. And bless me more spiritually and materially, but with the right motivation. Not just for myself. It's nothing wrong. We enjoy God's blessings. It's part of his goodness, and we praise him for that. We don't have to be, feel guilty because the Lord has blessed us. But we got to have the right motivation. Lord, help me and use me to preach your gospel. As I'm blessed spiritually, to tell others about you as I know you. But also as I'm blessed materially, help me to use my material blessings to put it and invest it in your kingdom for your glory. Starting here in, a, in Arroyo Grande, but also in San Luis Obispo County. But even beyond that in Central Coast. And even beyond that in California and the West Coast and the United States. And even beyond this country in South America, in Europe, in Asia, in many other places that the Lord will use us at his will so that others may know him and worship together. Let us never forget, but always keep in mind why God is blessing us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings. We don't deserve anything but eternal punishment, eternal death, apart from you in hell forever. That's really what we deserve. Because we are sinners. And because we are sinners, we sin. And mainly, we sin against you, Lord. But thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life we can't, to give us his righteousness, but also for taking our punishment, our guilt, and taking our place on the cross. Thank you that he died and he resurrected. He ascended to heavens and he will come back again. And in the meantime, as we wait for his return, Lord, we pray that you will keep blessing us, that you will bless this congregation greatly, first spiritually, knowing you more and more, so that they will be encouraged and motivated to praise you even more and more as they get together, but also by themselves. And they will share about Christ to everyone around them with joy and with gratitude, worshiping you. But also I pray that you will bless this congregation materially and even beyond our expectations so that they will praise you and you will use it for your glory to extend your gospel in this region but also around the world. Thank you, God, because you are very gracious to us, very merciful. Thank you for saving us and giving us the opportunity to serve you and preach Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.